Welcome to the Arts and Sciences Matters podcast, brought to you by the College of Arts and Sciences at Georgia State University. This is your host, Anna Varela. Our goal is to bring you insights from researchers working on a broad range of social, cultural, and scientific challenges. Our guest today is Elizabeth Strickler, the Director of Media Entrepreneurship and Innovation Programs at the Creative Media Industries Institute. She's also the facilitator of the Blockchain Lab at Georgia State's Robinson College of Business. Today, we're talking about blockchain and how this technology could help journalists, photographers, artists, and other creators protect their work in the internet era. So welcome. Before we dive into a discussion of blockchain, could you explain what Bitcoin is? That's a tool that many of our listeners might have heard of, and and it's based on blockchain technology, right? Correct. So um, Bitcoin is the first instantiation of the blockchain technology, Um, and it was actually created right out of the um, 2008 crash, sort of in a response to the corruption that was going on amongst the banks. Hmm. Um, So Bitcoin is basically uh, digital money. Uh, So Bitcoin is digital money, and um, it was created by a mysterious person named uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, Mm -hmm. and it's a very interesting backstory um, that uh, listeners can can go look up. But basically, it is a, a currency a cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. um, which is basically just a ledger. It's a system of accounting. So it's basically just a ledger of transactions that is recorded, decentralized, distributed, and basically trusting in computers as opposed to people. Okay. Well, that's a concrete example of a currency based on blockchain, blockchain technology. Can you tell us a little more about blockchain itself and how it works? So blockchain is a technology that allows you to share data in a secure way. So you can store data once and then share it many times while still maintaining ownership. So some of the words that we use to say what a blockchain is, is that it is a ledger, Mm -hmm. which is a database, Mm -hmm. right? Just a database where transactions are stored on a distributed network, meaning not centralized, Mm -hmm. that is append only, meaning you never go back and change it. So some people call that immutable. Um, It's governed by a consensus protocol, Mm -hmm. meaning the network of computers makes an agreement on what is real. And the network is peer-to-peer. So blockchain is an emerging technology which governs how things of value are owned and exchanged on the Internet. Okay. Let me just add on to that. Uh, Earlier, I think I said blockchain is a decentralized ledger or database which keeps track of transactions. Right now, those databases are centralized, like in a place like a bank. Mm -hmm. So the advantages of blockchain are that in its principle, it's unhackable, transactions are instantaneous, and transactions are sophisticated. And the sophistication is the smart contracts, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about later. Okay. Well, could you walk me through how a transaction would work? Yes. So again, I'm going to go with money, but I want you to think about uh, money as any other item as well. But let's just talk about money. Let's just say that I owe you $10 for lunch. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I can give you that $10 by giving you a $10 bill Mm -hmm. or through PayPal Mm -hmm. um, or a credit card or but you, you don't take credit cards, so I can probably do PayPal, right? If I want to send you $10 through PayPal, it goes from me 
to the PayPal account, to my bank account, back to PayPal, to your bank account, back to you, and then back to you. So it's a centralized, PayPal is centralized and it goes to centralized authorities. Mm. And they make sure that I have the money and then they take the money out and then give the money to you. And they charge a fee. And charge a fee. Very important. So the prompt, so what blockchain or even Bitcoin right now, Bitcoin enables me to give the money directly to you, almost like an email, but from my like cell phone directly to your cell phone without going through a centralized authority. And it's encrypted and private, but everyone on the network writes it down in an encrypted form and verifies that I gave you 10 Bitcoin and that I have that money and that it is extracted from my wallet and put into yours and not not a double spend of my money. So the promise is I can go directly from me to you and the technology just makes it happen. Let me back up and ask a, a basic question. Sure. So why is it so hard for people to get paid for creative work in the internet era? So nowadays, a lot of the artwork that you're talking about or creative content is... Um, digitally native. It started on a computer and stays on a computer, unlike mm-hmm. something like a painting, right? Mm-hmm. So when you are when you create something on the internet or put something on the internet, it can be traded and copied. Mm-hmm. So the minute it's on the internet, there's uh, a photo can be copied, an article can be copied, music can be copied. The internet is a giant copying machine. Mm-hmm. And so back to Bitcoin, that's why nobody wanted to put money on the internet because you didn't want money to be able to be copied. Mm-hmm. So the blockchain technology protected the cryptocurrency. So now there's really no difference in a photo or money in the way because it's all data. And so now the same technology will enable one photograph Um, that's on the internet to be protected by the rules um, of uh, the blockchain technology. Okay, so tell tell us a little bit more about how blockchain can can make that happen, how it's a solution. One of the newer components of blockchain technology, so I've already talked about the fact that it's a ledger on a distributed network that's append-only, governed by a consensus protocol, and the network is peer-to-peer, but one of the newer crypto currencies or um, blockchain technologies is Ethereum, and it allows smart contracts. Mm -hmm. So a smart contract is a self-executing code um, or contract. So when you think of a contract like between me and you, say I give you some music that you can listen to, Mm -hmm. um, that song is data and around that data are rules about what you can do with it, mm-hmm. and they self-execute. So it could be that every time you play it, uh, a small bit of money from your wallet to mine is transferred immediately. Mm-hmm. Blockchain enables that. Or it could be that after five uses, you get to use it for free after that. Mm-hmm. Um, or that in order for you to share it with your friend, the friend has to pay a component of that, um, uh, the cost. Mm -hmm. And all of this happens by technology. Mm -hmm. And it's written in a smart contract. The smart contract is actually just code. So this is a very um, bombastic statement, but um, some people say code is law and law is code when you talk about a smart contract. Mm 
So there's a very um, strong interest in lawyers understanding code and coders working together with lawyers to create these contracts that then automatically execute on the internet. And would creators or users have to give up privacy to create this system to protect intellectual property? So um, actually kind of the reverse, um, because you can put rules around um, a piece of music, say, that just says pay money to this account, but you don't even have to say who that account is owned by. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of, uh, it gets very detailed into whether uh, Bitcoin or blockchain or different blockchains are anonymous or pseudonymous, meaning pseudo-anonymous. But most artists want to be known for, uh, you know, the content that they create, but maybe they don't want um, other aspects of themselves to be known. And the way that you, uh, the bigger promise, just sort of the global promise of um, blockchain is that you own your own data. Mm -hmm. So owning your own data whether it's the song that you created or whether it's your social media history, the promise of blockchain is to allow you to own that data as opposed to social media platforms owning that data. Mm-hmm. So it's the privacy component is less about being an artist and more about just being a person that's on the internet. And so people on the internet, eventually, when this whole decentralized ledger technology, which blockchain is one of, will uh, help people protect their own data, again, going back to the idea of money. So when, when you think of money, you protect your money like at all costs. I mean, mm-hmm. your money, protecting your money is completely a day-to-day given. Mm-hmm. So what blockchain promises is that you will protect your data as well. And I want to go into this um, nuance of content creation mm-hmm. because what is the granularity of content creation? Is it a tweet or is it a song that you took a year to create? Mm-hmm. Um, but you want to protect both of those and you want to own those and you get to control who copies those or who retweets those or who uses those. Um, and that's an important um, aspect of the fact that data is now like money or data is the new oil. So if data is the new oil and you're generating it freely, um, that's, that is not uh, sustainable because what's happening is um, the main platforms of social media and of the Internet are collecting all that data and using that for their gain as opposed to your gain. Mm -hmm. So that's the promise. This is, we are in um, the teething stage of blockchain. So yeah, how how far away do you think we are from a a system that could protect intellectual property online? Um, So there are a ton of uh, initiatives going on in this space, um, in the film space with Filmcoin, in the music space with um, uh, Ujo and, uh, you know, 40 other um, sort of experiments um, with journalism and civil is one of the um, platforms. Um, so based, and, and then in gaming. So basically all of these different uh, fields are working on how to protect intellectual property in a variety of ways. They are 
largely experiments at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the largest space where this is being worked out uh, right now is between the um, producers um, or the content creators and the distributors and the, um, the middlemen. Mm-hmm. So that's where the uh, conversation is going on um, most um, intensely. It's really not user ready yet because um, onboarding onto using blockchain technology is just not user friendly enough yet. But um, like music companies working out and, and musicians working out all the details of rights ownership, um, contribution to the creation of a song, um, licensing, all of that is being worked out um, sort of what we call artist to business um, Mm -hmm. or business to business, B2B. So -hmm. that's where a lot of the successful experimentation is going on. But uh, it's really the promise of what this will make. Like understanding all of the details of the technology is confounding, but most people don't even know how the internet works. They just know how to use it. But it's, it's the promise of these things that's so enticing. So once it is ready for consumer, maybe mm-hmm. we're, what, a few years away, longer than that? Um, I'd say we are, it, it, I don't think it's going to come down like a hammer. It's going it to just sort of infiltrate all of the things that we do slowly. So like, like Spotify has um, bought one of these um, supply chain um, blockchain companies to implement it within their system to help artists get paid more immediately, more um, transparently, uh, more equitably. And so um, right now you see a lot of enterprise companies working with this technology to to sort of figure it out. And then slowly it will be um, something that the end user could create so that you could create your own music studio and protect your content via a blockchain um, and have payment happen instantaneously and, you know, automatically with all these rules around uh, the content you create. So going forward, when this is more widely available, how would that average consumer or creator know they can trust this system? So, um, I mean, that's, you know, it is basically a technology of trust. You know, we're moving into a place where we do trust technology more than we trust people, a la getting into a car at 10 o'clock at night in downtown Atlanta with a stranger. We trust the system now enough that um, because we feel like technology will alert any issues that are going on, and that's why we we get in um, Ubers and Lyft or get a, go rent a, a house from somebody that we've never met before mm-hmm. th- via Airbnb. So trust is um, the more we start to trust the technologies and the systems, the more we will, uh, you know, all of our data will be used on these kinds of systems. Well, just if, if I'm an average <coughs> consumer mm-hmm. or artist and I don't oh, understand do you know? all this right. stuff about ledgers and blockchain, right. how do I know I can trust okay. that I will get paid or that right. my bank account won't get emptied or, you know, that this will all work the way it's supposed to work? Right. So, um you know, there's always early adopters who get on something and start to play around with it. But if you've noticed on something like Twitter, they use um, the green check mark, mm-hmm. which means that you are a validated person, that they have validated that there is a person that owns that Twitter account and that they 
stand behind that account and what they write is from them and that they will alert if their account gets hacked and that they're not a bot that's, you know, there's 40 different, you know, Twitter accounts um, going back to that person. So um, that's another promise of blockchain is to validate the origin of content and the origin of a tweet or the origin of a song or the origin of, or, or the owner of an account. So the um, this is all done with public and private keys, which is part of the um, blockchain technology. So one of the ways for people to understand the public-private key really easily is that um, if if I want to send you a letter, I can go or drop a letter in your mailbox. If you're in an apartment and you know you have a mailbox at the bottom of the apartment, there's a bunch of mailboxes there. But I know that you are 101, and I can put a letter into that mailbox, or I can put even money into that mailbox. And mm-hmm. I know your public address, which is 101, but I, but I can put something in, but I can't take anything out. Mm-hmm. Only you have the private key to get that out. So that's how um, system functions is with public and private keys. So if you let your public key is verifiable and identifiable and transparent, um, but then what goes into that is um, private and secure. Hmm. So um, are we saying to some degree there will always be pirates, but we can at least reduce the amount of that activity through this? Yeah, I mean, so the way the analogies that I like to make are that when people first started, I don't know, setting up houses out in the prairie, mm-hmm. you know, you had your house and you just put your house out there and then... As more people moved in, you know, you didn't want people just roaming in and out on your property or in your house. And so we started setting up things like fences and security systems so that people didn't roam in and out of houses. Well, right now, we're just having a free-for-all with data. Mm -hmm. And so we're coming up with more and more ways to really encrypt that data and also make a new social contract around who owns the data, who should pay for the data, how much labor went into creating that data. Mm -hmm. So something that I haven't really touched upon is that at its deepest core, blockchain technologies are a a form of governance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because basically the way it works is when when somebody puts something in the ledger, the, the grand database, it's copied to a bunch of different computers and everybody on the internet says, yes, that is correct. That is what happened. You know, Anna gave Elizabeth $10 and everybody puts it in the ledger and everybody validates it. So it's, a, it's an agreement or a contract and a governance system of we all agree that this has happened and we have the technology to validate that and we all have incentive to make sure that the network is functioning in a way that we agree is uh, fair and equitable. So we will slowly be building these systems that are uh, governance systems amongst the people of what they agree is fair and equitable. Right now, the people that are making that rules are the publishing companies and the social media companies. Mm-hmm. They're, they're creating all the rules, but we want it where the society creates the rules. Okay. Well, let's shift direction and, and ask a few personal questions. Mm-hmm. What got you in, interested in studying blockchain in the first place? I got a degree in uh, math and computer science here at Georgia State mm-hmm. a long, long ago and actually helped... Um, get the internet started here, and then all, then left and went and worked at an internet startup company 
and was a programmer during mm-hmm. that time. So many years passed, and I became a filmmaker and was teaching film and media. And I was recognizing the fact that ownership was a real problem and also that there was a lack of business understanding amongst the film and media students. So I started teaching media entrepreneurship and basically understanding business and business models. And then blockchain came along and it was the perfect intersection of a type of technology that could protect the rights of content creators. And because of my computer background, it was easy for me to understand, but also uh, I started to realize that the um, rumblings of when the internet got started, there's are new rumblings with this whole blockchain technology is basically as exciting as what was happening with the internet. Okay. What's the biggest misperception that people might have about blockchain? So most people think about Bitcoin Mm -hmm. when they hear blockchain and they think about cryptocurrency and they think about either the Silk Road and buying drugs or doing nefarious things. The dark net. The dark net. Mm -hmm. um, Or if they've sort of followed along with the hype cycle, they think about the um, Win Lambo crowd. Win Lambo crowd is the the people who um, think they're going to get so rich they're going to buy a Lambo, a Lamborghini, because Uh they're going to get so rich. There's a lot of people who's sort of the hype of just get rich quick Mm -hmm. group of people. So those are those are the misconceptions. However, I highly encourage people to think about it as the third web or the Internet of Value of a new kind of governance, and really uh, take a look at it and not be intimidated about this technology, but look at the promises that it has because it will impact every industry tremendously. Okay. Do you have a favorite book or movie that touches on this work, technology and the arts? Yes, yes, I do. So some people call learning about blockchain a little bit like going down a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we've kind of meandered all over the place, but I highly encourage you to to do uh, a couple of things. I love the book um, called The Truth Machine. And that came out of MIT Media Lab's focus on uh, blockchain technologies. Mm -hmm. And that is a really excellent book. I also um, recommend people watch the movie called Banking on Bitcoin Mm -hmm. because it shows the origin of the Occupy Wall Street movement and the 2008 crash and how this cryptocurrency came about and why it came about and all of the players that were really invested in a new form of equitable transactions. Mm-hmm. So so those are great. And then I love podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the, the best, one of the best podcasts is Unchained and Unconfirmed with Laura Shen. And um, that's a great way to just sort of keep up with what's going on in um, blockchain world. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Sure. And thank you for joining us today. This has been the Arts and Sciences Matters podcast brought to you by the College of Arts and Sciences at Georgia State University. You can follow us or let us know what you think on Twitter at GSUArcsci. And you can find more episodes on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Thank you for listening, and we hope you subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes.